morning. Um, how many of you guys love this time change? You know, the one that causes us to lose an hour. Freak. You guys are weirdos. For the rest of you, how about we just use the rest of the hour? We got about 40 minutes left, and we'll just catch up on some of that, that hour we lost last night. You know, take a little power nap. How does that sound? Actually, from being up here once in a while and having to necessarily look out at you guys, I've noticed some of you regularly use the time for a power nap. And this morning, I am envious, and I will repent of my envy later. <laughs> I want to walk through a story with you today out of the, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. As we continue in this series that we've called Bold, Where Feet May Fail. And we started the series at the beginning of January, maybe pulling this sublimin subliminal trickaroo on you because um, in our culture, when the new year turns over, people tend to be willing to make some change in their life if they actually see the potential for gain to come out of it. Uh, if they would commit to doing something differently or maybe doing something that they've been doing with a little more intentionality and intensity. And so we leverage the cultural dynamic of New Year's to get us to begin thinking beyond exercise and nutrition to our faith. And whether we might commit to live out faith in Jesus more boldly in 2017. And when Rick rolled the series out, I was down for living my faith out more boldly in 2017, and I'm kind of like this visual learner, and so I looked up some synonyms for the word bold, because I figured if I'm supposed to live this out, I thought it would be helpful to have in my mind's eye a couple of more adjectives to be able to measure it by. And so check out these synonyms for bold, courageous, fearless, resolute, Heroic, daring even, daring. And I was thinking, wow, could my faith really be those things? And then maybe more profoundly, is my faith really those things? Those words, as I considered them, I thought, wow, that's not, that's not a normal, ordinary faith that I often see in myself or frankly that I see in many or most of the people that I know follow Jesus. I mean, those words, they seem to describe this extraordinary faith, don't they? Far different than the normal and ordinary faith that I usually see. Would you guys buy that? Would you guys buy that? Well, here's this radical thought. It was a little bit convicting for me. I know it won't be for you. I think God would clearly redefine what we would think normal faith is. I think God would say what normal, ordinary faith is is it synonymous with these synonyms of bold? You know, characterized by courage and, and fearlessness and, and daring. And man, I was thinking if those words describe what God says normal faith is supposed to be, then I was just left to wonder what would describe, what words would describe normal faith as we see it? I mean, you just have to wonder. And so I looked up what the antonyms of bold are. I used a thesaurus. <laughs> I was going to call it a tyrannosaurus, but that's an animal. I know, I know that. I used a thesaurus, and I'm not good with English and grammar. But you want to know what the words of the opposite of bold are? Like when I saw them, I really didn't like them very much. I don't think you will either. Here, check these words out. Timid. Weak fearful, 
cautious, even cowardly. Like those were the antonyms, the opposite of what bold is. And I had to ask my faith, myself, if my faith isn't most often characterized by bold, by what I think is this extraordinary faith, is my faith characterized most of the time by these words? And it made me feel a little bit dirty on the inside. And I have to confess, I tried really hard to rationalize, surely there's a middle ground between these two groups of words. Surely there's got to be a middle ground. But really, I couldn't find it. Like, I couldn't find this legitimate middle ground. And it was a little disturbing to me. Because when you look through the lens of the early church in the book of Acts, as we've been doing throughout this series, we see, that we see what God created normal faith to look like. It was that faith that they demonstrated that line up with all those adjectives, all those synonyms of bold. And over the centuries, our definition, ours, not God's, our definition of normal faith has just gotten a little, a little bit watered down. And I think we've just gotten okay with that. I mean, when you see, when you see these two lists of words contrasted against each other, does it do anything in you? Does it stir anything in you? And it can be a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit unsettling to consider words like timid and weak and cautious and, and maybe even cowardly that they might apply to parts or, or even all of our faith walk. But I really think that's what's true today. That's what's, that's what's true, in, at least in our American Christianity and so we have spent many Sundays since the beginning of January, and we're going to run this series all the way through the month of April, looking at how we might transform our normal faith to be more like God's normal faith, about what it looks like to step into the deep of bold faith, where but for the power of God and of his help, our feet would surely fail. That's where we've been, and that's where we're going but this morning, I just want to take a little interlude, and I don't necessarily want to talk about what it looks like to step into the depths of bold faith, but rather, what might our response be when we have? In, in other words, when God has called us out into the deep, when we find ourselves out in the deep, and we, and we have boldly stepped out there, and we have petitioned God because we know our feet are going to fail, and we've said, God, you've got to help us if we venture out there, and he has, what would our response be? What would our response be? And there is this profound picture of that response in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And so I'm going to walk through the passage with you in pieces to kind of flesh the story out. So Acts chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. Okay, so, so get the picture. On this day, if not maybe most days, Peter and John, who are two apostles of Jesus, but not only that, that they have been front and center in the launch of this early church that is living out this bold faith. They head to the temple to pray. And as they arrive, they see some people carry in this lame guy. And the text actually says the guy has been lame from birth. And if you were to actually flip just a page in your Bible, you would see that in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, 
we're told that this guy is 40 or more years old. He's over 40 years old. And so lame from birth for this guy means that for 40 plus years, he had never been able to walk. And so they, they bring him in, family or friends bring him in. They place him by the beautiful gate, which was one of the more popular entrances to the temple, which of course then made it a prime place to beg, which suggests that not only does he have this physical infirmity, but he's got a financial infirmity as well. Okay, so then we pick up in verses 3 and 4. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Which suggests that when this guy asked Peter and John for money, he, he wasn't even looking at them. And you can imagine now that after decades, this man, he's grown weary of, of trying to look into the faces of those that wouldn't even give him the decency of a glance. Or if they would, all that he would see is disdain and, and disgust and pity on their face. And most would offer nothing to fill his jar or to lift his spirits, just more to remind him of the burden he was, about how unproductive and unworthy he was. It's not like this guy was just physically broke and even financially broke, but this guy was emotionally broke too. He was emotionally broke too. And so he makes no eye contact with Peter and John. But Peter says, look at us. And then we continue in verses 5 through 8. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Oh, and then it gets really good. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, as he did the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. I mean, think about this guy's life for a second. Lame since birth. I wonder how many times doctors had tried to heal him. I wonder how many times. And I wonder how many times people prayed over him for healing. And how many times he was, he was chided and mocked to just get up and walk. And it would have been way easier to just kind of stay on the mat. Like just not to get humiliated again, to have his life rubbed into his own face again. Better to keep it safe. I'll just stay on the shore. I'll, I'll just stay in the shallows. And yet there's something very different about this invitation to step out into the deep. And maybe it's that he hears Peter invoke the name of Jesus in the healing. Scripture doesn't tell us how long this guy had been a fixture at the temple begging, but it's likely that it had been for years, maybe even decades. And so it's not a stretch to think that in the three-plus years of Jesus' ministry and of his trips to Jerusalem, that this guy probably had some exposure to Jesus. And he had surely heard stories from people coming and going to the temple over the years about Jesus' teaching and Jesus' miracles and, that may, and even that Jesus had claimed to be the Messiah. And since some of that actually happened in and around the temple, he may have even heard or saw firsthand for himself these teachings and these miracles. Yes, he surely had some kind of exposure to who Jesus was. 
And it's likely, too, that he had heard the rumors that Jesus' tomb had been found empty in those days after the crucifixion. He probably heard lots of people that were coming and going to the temple talking about the fact that in recent weeks, people were claiming that they actually had seen Jesus alive. And maybe all of that collided in this man's head and in his heart. And when he heard those profound, hope-filled words, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, he chose to step out into the deep where his feet had failed for 40 years. And what does God do? He meets the man within the very moment that he would even consider obeying Peter's command to get up and walk. And God begins to give this guy some sense of hope. And isn't that just like God? What this man thought that he needed was just some money. And yet when God saw him, when God sees us, he knows exactly what we need. And it isn't always what we think or what we want or what we would expect. It says in Matthew chapter 6, the second half of verse 8, it says, the Father knows exactly what you need before you ask. And then even in Romans chapter 8, um, Paul is writing about the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 8, it says, we don't even know what we want to ask or pray for, but the Holy Spirit comes in and intercedes for us and lifts up our prayers. And God says to this man through Peter, get up and walk, and he does. And he does. And this lame man's decision in that, in him taking Peter's hand, God gives the guy hope. And then God gives the guy this supernatural healing. And God begins this work of bringing restoration into so many different parts of this guy's life that had been broken, that had been broken before. And look at his response, verse 8. It said he goes to leaping and celebrating and praising God. And that's the response that we need to focus on this morning. It's that response that this morning is all about. How many reasons did this guy have to celebrate and praise God? On the surface read of the passage, it would suggest one, a physical healing. And yeah, that was a pretty good one. I mean, it really was. But we know there were so many more reasons embedded into this event. Probably so many layers of this man's life that were or will be deeply impacted by this bold step of faith that he made and in God stepping into that and helping him. As this new life he has that unfolds, the healing that now God will now bring to this man's emotional world and his, his relational world and his financial world and maybe even his eternity because he stepped out boldly. And when he did, God reached in and God helped him. God showed up. How many reasons was, it, was there for this man's heart to find, to celebrate, and to praise God? One reason was probably enough for him in the moment, but how many more would unfold in the days and the weeks and the years to come in this man's life if indeed God was going to restore all those other areas of his life? And God's in that business of restoration. And so the question that this story begs for us to ask ourselves is when we have stepped into the deep, when we will step into the deep of bold faith and God helps us, do we celebrate and praise him in this abandoned, unashamed manner like this man did? Do we? I was talking to a man recently in the church who shared that he has had chronic pain in his legs for a long, long time. And recently, that some folks had come around him and they boldly prayed that God would provide some relief. 
And to my wonder, the man actually said that he had experienced relief in these legs that were hurting for so many years after those prayers. And I asked him, and maybe I baited him because I knew I would be teaching about this today. I said, if God did that, have you celebrated and praised God in that? And he thought for a second and he said, no, not really. And I love the guy's honesty. I love the guy's honesty. Truthfully, I often kind of take for granted God's help in my life. And instead of lifting him up in prayer and praise and celebration, when he's stepping in, when I'm stepping out into the deep, and he does something, and I just, you know, I just kind of take what he's done, and I just kind of keep going. And I, I wind up taking it for granted. And I bet you guys tend to do that often, too. But what if we took a few moments this morning and we tried to find some reasons to celebrate and to praise God? What if we took just a couple of moments this morning to try and find some reasons in our lives to celebrate and praise him? And so I'm going to rattle off some general areas or places in my life, in my life, as I've wobbled down the road of bold faith where God has stepped in and helped me. Uh, and maybe you can relate to some of them too. Just put yourself in these places and see if at some point you've stepped out into the deep in them and God has met you there. What about areas of eternal impact? Like, for instance, think about the time you made the bold decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Just recall back what were the circumstances of that. Or in cases where you boldly stepped out like this group of people did, where God said, I want you to pray this bold prayer of healing over this man. Or God called you into stepping out in serving in some way or in evangelizing and sharing the good news. And you knew that with your own two feet, you would never go there. But God has said, get up and walk. And you did. And you did. And you experienced God's help to affect something better than you could have ever hoped or imagined in your eternal destiny or the internal destiny of somebody else that you got to lean into. Could you find reasons to celebrate and praise God in those areas? And, and if you did, did you celebrate and praise him? Or would you celebrate and praise him? Or think about the areas of relationships in your life where there's been relational loss or brokenness or pain and deep challenge. Things like the death of a loved one or a divorce or a single parenting situation or just singleness itself or broken friendships. And have you ever been living in those places and God has said, get up and walk and I'll give you the help that you need as you step out into the deep in those areas. And you did. And he did. Can you find reasons to celebrate and praise him in that? And if you can, did you? Would you? Or what about areas of physical health? Maybe there was serious injury or illness for you or someone that you cared deeply about. And it was as if you were paralyzed on the mat. But somehow you heard God beckoning you. He's saying, get up and walk. Get up and walk to me. I will help you through this situation. And you got up and you did. And then he did. Can you think of situations in your life where, uh, where, you can, where you can find reasons to celebrate and to praise God in that? And if you can, did you? Would you? Or what about emotional health? 
Have some of you experienced a season in your life where there was a struggle with insecurity or anxiety or guilt or forgiveness or a lack thereof or anger or rejection or loneliness or depression or self-harm? And yet somehow in the midst of that, you found this place of awareness that God was inviting you to get up and to walk towards him out into the deep where he would help you. Have you ever experienced any of that? Can you find any reason to celebrate and praise God in that? Can you? And if you can, did you? Would you? Or what about the area of financial surrender? Some of you maybe have experienced job loss or job change or maybe even just this call to like managing your money like the Bible asks you to where this includes this component of sacrificial giving. And you heard God calling you to say, get up and walk to me in boldness, where I'll help you through that, where you did and where he did. Could you find reasons in that? Could some of you find reasons in that to celebrate and praise him? And if you can, did you? Would you? Or maybe one more spot, maybe in an area of sin. And here's the truth, we all have our struggle with sin. And while all sin equally harms our relationship with God, some sin has this disproportionate level of negative influence or, or consequence on ourselves and on those around us. Maybe some kinds of addiction, maybe a struggle with alcohol or drugs or, or maybe an addiction to pornography or there's some other sexual impurity going on, or maybe there's this pervasive greed in you or this, this need to gossip. And some of you have at one, one time sensed God saying, I want to call you out of the deep of those shackles. And you've known that that's where you need to go. You need to go out in the deep with him. But you know if you go, your feet would fail. And he's saying, oh, but come to me. Get up and walk to me, and I will give you the help that you need. And you did. I know there's some of you in here, you've done that, and he reached in and he did, he helped. Can you find reason to celebrate and praise God in that? And if you can, did you? Would you? I look across this room and I consider all that God has done across this room, and I think, how many reasons do we need to celebrate and praise and worship this God of ours with abandon, like this guy did? And yet I also know, even as I, as I survey the crowd and I know that, I also know there are many here in the room today that just don't feel or see the reason yet to celebrate and praise God. And you may be thinking, yeah, this guy, like, he literally got healed. Or these people in the room, whatever their thing was when God called them out into the deep and they got up and walked and God helped them, they got what they needed. But I haven't seen God show up in my circumstances yet. What if I haven't sensed or experienced his help yet? Can I find reasons to celebrate and praise him in that? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Even when you have not viscerally sensed God's help yet, you need to remember who this promise maker is that offers this help. God promises us that when we would step out into the deep where our feet may fail, that he will be there to help us. And here's the truth. We celebrate things and people all the time before we've kind of seen the final product, so to speak. If, if you were in financial straits and someone you knew and trusted 
offer to step into your need. Even before dollar one showed up, you would celebrate. Like you would praise at some level this promise maker for what you knew he was going to do. Or if you went to the doctor with a serious illness and the doctor said, don't worry, we're going to treat you and you're going to be fine. You would celebrate, maybe even praise the promise maker, even though you haven't received the treatment yet. Even though you haven't experienced yet the everything will be fine. I mean, we do that all the time before we've seen the final product, so to speak. And so why wouldn't we do that with God? After all, he's the ultimate promise maker, the ultimate promise keeper. And so if you haven't seen him work yet, but you sense him calling you out into this bold step of faith, I'm telling you, friends, you can find reason to praise him just by expecting that he'll help you if you would venture out into the deep. It says this in Psalm chapter 71, verse 14. I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. The psalmist, he's still waiting to see the help from God, yet, yet it was even in the hope of help and his knowledge about the promise maker and the promise keeper that he found reason to praise and praise more and more and more. And you can too. And so I want to give you uh, three things that you may consider that can help you find reasons to do that. Whether you've stepped out into the deep and he has helped you, then I want to give you these three, three things for you to do to, to remember and to celebrate and praise him. And even if you haven't yet, that you might lean into these three things. The first is simply yet profoundly reflect on who God really is. Simply yet profoundly reflect on who God really is. He is the ultimate promise keeper, the ultimate promise maker. And I would encourage you all, this is a double dog dare, read Psalm 145 this week. Read Psalm 145 this week, but don't just read it. Allow yourself to marinate in Psalm 145. It's one of my favorite psalms, and I don't know if there's another place in Scripture that captures all of who God is, all of what he's capable of, all of what he wants to do for us, like Psalm 145. And if you can't celebrate and praise God based upon what it says in Psalm 145, you don't have a pulse. And then, and then the second thing is remember what he's done. Remember what he's done in your life already when you have ventured out into the deep of bold faith. The Bible is full of stories where God calls people to remember all the ways he has helped them as a means to recall his goodness and his faithfulness and to continually bring them back to this place of celebration and praise. And so it's not a one-time thing. Do you think that after this guy got finished praising and dancing and leaping into the temple, that was the last time he praised God for that work? Of, of course not. It says in Psalm 13, Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6, and I, I love this. You're going to see it from the paraphrased Bible called The Message. It says, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. I'm singing at the top of my... Woo, haven't done that since I was 12. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm so full of unanswered pray or of answered prayers. Like process through those areas that I spoke of earlier. Places where God has helped make eternal impact in your life. Or he's leaned into relational issues or physical and emotional health. Or in financial surrender. Or in freedom from sin. Find those places where he's been and where you've stepped out. And praise him in that. 
because there's something that happens in us when we celebrate and praise God, and it is good. And then finally, be astounded at what he does for other people. Be astounded at what he does for other people. So we finish this passage, verses 9 through 11. It says, All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Other people are captured in awe and amazement when God works in somebody else's life. When we see people celebrate and praise God for what God did in their life, there's something that happens in us that creates this awe and this wonder, and it causes us to want to celebrate and praise God too. In the last three weeks, uh, we had both our men's and women's Catalyst weekends. And during the course of both of them, God beckoned individuals into the depths of bold faith. And for those of, us, those of them that were willing to step out into the deep and to meet God there, God did indeed meet him. And he did indeed help them. And as they celebrated outwardly and praised God for what he was doing in them, this sense of incredible awe and wonder and amazement came over those that were watching, those that were a part of the weekend. And it was like spontaneous combustion. There was praise and worship and celebration going on everywhere, everywhere. Friends, how many reasons would you need to celebrate what God has done in helping you live out a bold faith? How many reasons would you need to praise him for it? Or where he wants to call you out there and he wants to do something powerful and profound and restorative in your life if you would go where your feet would fail. For this lame guy, one reason was enough. How many do you guys need? How many do you need? I'm going to invite Mark and the band up here now, and they're going to lead us in a few songs. And this first song is just an opportunity for you to just sit where you are and just to reflect on where and how God has helped you step into the deep, where he has met you there, where you have boldly stepped out, where your feet would have failed, and you found God in the deep, and he met you there, and he helped you. Or, or maybe where as you sit here now and as you consider places he might be calling you, or in deep places you find yourself in right now, in these next few minutes in this song as you sit, just reflect on, is he really good? Might I find reason to celebrate and praise him? And then prayerfully in the, song, in the songs that would follow that first song, that you might actually enter into a time of celebration and praise together. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Father. We, we just, we know um, that so often uh, when you step out into the deep with us and you meet us and you help us, man, that just rolls, rolls off of us like water off a duck's back. And it shouldn't be that way. Father, may we celebrate and praise you for what you've done in our lives, but not only that, for what you want to do, in our lives. And as we do that, as we would allow ourselves, as this man did, to, to jump and sing and praise, that we would feel, um, we would feel your presence, we would feel your joy, and it would make a difference in our lives, not just as we're here, but as we go out day after day, week after week. And we pray this with great hope and great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen.